Morning, church. Everything's bright and happy, smiles. That's good. It's a good thing. Thanks, Dave. Well, what do you want to talk about today? If you've been coming for any length of time, at least while I was teaching, we've been teaching on a subject, uh, and that today is part 14 of that subject. It's called Habits of a Blessed Christian. Habits of a Blessed Christian. Can't get away from this. Um, as we said in, uh, not too long ago, we, there's 12 habits that we'll be covering. We've covered six so far, or about ready to finish the sixth. But let's start with our foundational scriptures this morning. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs 18 and verse 14. And the second scripture we'll go to is Leviticus 20, verse 26. In Proverbs 18, it says this, The strong spirit, when it says strong spirit, of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? We've been dealing with the critical issue of building our spirits to where they're strong. We've been talking about how do we establish our heart in the things of God. How do we build our faith? How do we strengthen that spirit so that when trouble comes, that we'll be ready for it? For God said that trouble's going to come our way, didn't He? He said it's going to happen. I don't care if you're born again or not born again, trouble's going to come our way. We're going to see trials. We're going to see tribulations. We're going to see issues in our life because life is not fair. Tough stuff happens to good people. So as a Christian, though, he has given us an ability. He has given us gifts and abilities and strengths in our life to yield to his grace, his ability, his power, his provision, so that we can take what he possesses, his strengths, and make them our own and use them in this world. Jesus said we've overcome this world because he has. He's given us authority. He says over in Luke 19, he says, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And he said that nothing by any means shall hurt us. He also told us that even though these trials and problems come into our life, that he would see us through them all. Now, he didn't leave any margin for error there. In other words, well, sometimes they'll slip through and get you. He said that he would see us through them all. And who's he? It's the Word. So as a Christian, it, it is imperative. It is critical that we build a strong spirit that Proverbs talks about. Because then and only then can we effectively yield to those strengths that God has given us and be able to put it to use and live victoriously in every area of our life. When we yield to these things, to His grace, everything is done by grace, by faith. It's dependent upon, for it's by grace that you are saved. Through faith, okay, now, 
So we exercise, we're able to yield and draw on His grace into our life through the faith that we possess. Remember, over at Hebrews, for without faith it's impossible to please Him. So whatever His Word says, whether we see it in the natural or not, we take that Word and we apply it in our life whether we see things or not. We believe it. And we talked many times before, I'll repeat it again, but believe is living in accordance with what that word says. Again, even though we don't see it, that's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? So, so we're yielding and doing what this word says simply because he said it. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man where he would repent. What he said he will do, he will do. You can take it to the bank. Unfortunately, in, in this lifetime, the enemy is able to bring thoughts, suggestions and ideas to us, and circumstances into our life, which is contrary to what the Word says. And, it be, and it's because we see these things. See, we live in a physical world. You, each one of us depend upon our natural senses, taste, and smell, touch. Hearing. We depend upon these natural senses in this physical realm all the time, and so it's very natural when these circumstances come back. We see it. We see it happening to us. Circumstances that we don't like, circumstances that we don't want to have an impact in our life. And so the inclination as a human being is to take that and say, well, I see it. It must be true. But then again, Corinthians tells us that the things we see are temporal. Amen. Subject to change. It's the things that we don't see that are eternal. So as a Christian living in this world, I have to depend upon God's Word because that's what's eternal. That's what's going to change my circumstances. And so having this strong spirit, ready and able to put it to work, Whenever the trials come, the problems come, the issues come, things that I want to change that you can apply to your life, whether it's weak finances or terrible finances or bad relationships or mediocre relationships, whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever it is that is compatible with the Word of God, that's what we want for our life. And we seek our lives trying to make our lives better in the lives of our children and family. Sometimes we sort of shotgun approach it. You know, we sort of do all the things that we know to do. And sometimes our last resort is going to what the Word says for our life. And that's why these, um, these habits are so important. Because if you make it a part of you, if you allow them to govern your life, day after day after day after day after day. And when the trials come, it becomes very easy because you have so much confidence in God. Over in First John, I believe it is, it talks about, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And... 
if we know that he hears us, we also know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him or ask of him. So it's developing that. When we get a strong spirit, we develop a strong confidence at the same time. They're not separate issues. He gives us everything in one package. What's that commercial? Everybody bundles. <laughs> okay? He bundles too. But in this case, it doesn't cost us anything but a little bit of time on our part to spend some time with him to develop that relationship. Our second foundational scripture is found in Leviticus chapter 20. It says this. It says, You must be holy because I am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. See, holiness comes into our lives by making God's ways our ways. We make God's ways our ways by letting His Word govern our lives. And three critical areas, which we've talked about before, and I'm going to repeat it again and again and again, is the things that we speak, the things that we think, and the things that we do. If we govern our lives in those three areas, according to the Word, you will not fail. Even though circumstances rear up and say that you are going to fail, Galatians tells us, you're going to reap if you faint not. Just stay the course. Have confidence in God. Now, again, we've been talking about, uh, and I'm going to go through them very quickly, but here are the habits we've covered so far. Diligently spending time with the Father daily. Consistently giving thanks and praise and worship Him regardless of your circumstances. Diligently spend time with the Father daily. Consistently give thanks and praise and worship Him regardless of their circumstances. They feed their spirit by reading and listening to God's Word every day. They strengthen and encourage themselves daily by meditating on God's Word. The words they speak are governed by their faith in God's Word. And the one that we're currently on is they demonstrate their faith by acting upon God's Word. Now, we've spent some, several sessions in this one in terms of acting on God's Word. And uh, uh, where we left off last week is I wanted to get into some areas. I guess it's part of our confirmation system. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we just don't know what the Father wants us to do, and, and how, is it to, how is it I can apply this word to my life? And there's some areas, he's given us some areas uh, um, uh, that we can go to in order to determine you know, what our course needs to be in whatever situation that comes up in your life. But there's one scripture that I would like to go back and talk about again. We sort of finished with this one last week, but I want to go back to it again because it's such a neat scripture in, uh, in Colossians 1 verses 9 through 14. And this is one of the, this is one of the prayers that, that uh, this church has encouraged um, the members to, to embrace and to pray all the time. And, um, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to just speak it and I, and I, I want to personalize it because I always, when I read this, I always personalize it. Okay? I, I, I insert me and, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Because this is for you. It says this, For this reason, since the day we heard it, 
we haven't stopped praying for you. And Father, I ask that I might be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that I might walk worthy of you, to please you in everything that I do, to bear fruit in every good work, and always, always, always increase in the knowledge of you. Strengthen me with all might, according to your glorious power, with patience, with long-suffering, with joyfulness. And I thank you for making me a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. For deliver me from the power of darkness and translating me into the kingdom of your dear Son in whom I have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, what's that prayer? What is, what is the meaning behind that prayer? What's, what is this prayer intended to do? It's getting the believer geared up to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, I want to break this down just a little bit. It says this. It says, We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God's will is for us to know his will. God's will is for us to have a complete, thorough, comprehensive, complete knowledge of who he is, what he has done. What is available to you? For he has held nothing back. Everything that belonged to him belongs to us. We have a blood covenant. That blood covenant, if you go back in history, you study what blood covenants are about, and especially the blood covenant that he made with us, you'll find that everything, 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 that belongs to him, belongs to us. Everything that belongs to us, that we have, belongs to him. He gave it all to us anyway. And the neat thing is when Jesus was crucified on that cross, when he shed that blood, Jesus was 100% man, he was 100% God. And so he even provided the blood because he was a man. And it was his perfect shed blood intermingled with the holy blood of God, came together and sealed it. Which made this covenant unbreakable. The only thing that can sever that is us. The only thing that can prevent us from acquiring the things that my father possesses is by our inability our refusal, our laziness, our choice, our yielding to the enemy to not do what the Word says to do. It's the only thing that stands in our way. That's why it's so critical that we have such an intimate relationship with our Father, to spend time with Him. All these things I'm geared, all these, all these habits that I've listed, that we've been teaching on, are all geared at the same thing. It's to get us in the mode of thinking, speaking, and doing God's Word. Which is the only way you'll build your spirit and make it strong.
the only way that you're going to develop a confidence in God's word. Because when you speak God's word, you can speak it with authority. Because we are in Christ. In Christ dwell the fullness. Everyone say fullness. Fullness. Of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's the head of all principality and power. What does that mean? Well, he dominates all the power of the enemy. And guess what? We've given that, he's been given that authority. You're just sort of like a policeman. The policeman is given the full authority of the government. And when he acts or says something and tells people to prevent them from crime or whatever, he has that authority. And everything, the whole government backs him up. Well, we've been given authority by God. All power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. So he's told us. He's given us that authority. And so we can use that authority. We can speak it. So you're doing your bills one month and I say, whew, you know, there's more money going out than coming in. I can't write all the checks this month. But my father says differently. He says this, I'm able to make all grace abound to you, that you may always, under all circumstances, be self-sufficient, having abundance left over to meet the needs of others. So praise God, I've got abundance. Not only will my bills be paid and all my needs met, but I'm going to have plenty left over to give more to the church, to give more to someone in need. To pay that bill at the grocery store for someone who didn't have enough money to pay for all the groceries. Whatever it is, you'll have that abundance to do. See, everything, everything belongs to God anyway. And as part of that blood covenant, I'm a job. <laughs> all I've done is, Dad, i got, I got a problem here. I need this much. Just receive it. You know, it's literally that simple. But look how hard we make it. All because we sort of rely on this this physical things, these things we see, these circumstances in our life, which is all designed to steal the word from us. Now, let's talk about some of these things which he's, he helps us to understand um, what, how it is we can act upon the Word. The first one is prayer. And I'm going to go through these quickly. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them. But the first one is prayer. And, and uh, go to John chapter 10, verse 27. I'm going to use the amplified uh, version of this, Dave. It says, The sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Another version of the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, are we his sheep? Yeah, if you're born again, you're his sheep. You're one of his. And he says, they hear my voice. So if we're a sheep, we should be listening 
And he says, he knows us. He knows you very well. Everything about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he goes on to say, and they follow me. So the inference here, if we're his sheep, we need to be following him. Well, what's that mean? That means, if we're, if, if we're one of his sheep, that we obey him. We do what he says that we need to do. We submit ourselves to him. Remember the word says, submit ourselves unto God. Okay, Resist the devil and he will flee from us. How do you submit to God? You take his word, you apply it to your life, and when the enemy comes in with these circumstances, you reject it. Casting down every imagination, every thought, that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's how you resist the enemy. You choose not to yield to the things that he would have you say. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it this month with all these bills I got. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? My mother is sick and she's, she's in critical condition. Oh my God, I can't lose my mother. What am I going to do? Oh God, help me. He already has. Then it's a matter of taking your word. Lord, you you said that the lifespan of a man is three score plus ten. And if by strength more, you give us more. Some teach that that 120 is the age that we're we're to have. I'm not here to get into a theological debate on how long we should be on earth. But all I know is that that health and well-being are, are, are ours and belong to us. It's part of our blood covenant. Because he says over Proverbs, he says if we attend to his word, if we guard our heart with all diligence, it's going to be health to us. Health to all of our flesh. Life to those who find them health to all their flesh. So, prayer, by the way, is a two-way conversation. You know, a lot of times, we're the ones that do the talking. <laughs> we talk and talk and talk. And if we speak in tongues, sometimes we speak in tongues a lot, which is good. We, we need to do that. But one thing we tend to forget to do is sometimes just be quiet before him after we've made requests and praised and thanked him and just listen on the inside. Give him a chance to talk back. Give you some leading. Now, I'm sure that every one of us in this room probably knows someone or some people who, who when you have a conversation with, typically it's one-sided. <laughs> and it's all about them. Do you have a mirror? <laughs> So it's so important to spend some quiet time. Just turn this thing off. Just sort of listen to what's going on on the inside. He's going to speak to you through your spirit. It's that still, quiet voice. It's not necessarily going to be words and sentences. It's going to be sort of a knowing. It's going to be it's going to be a, a a some ideas and some, maybe just a word or two, okay? And 
and, and thoughts, godly thoughts, that, that line up with the Word of God, prompting you to do some things. I was in uh, church prayer this morning. We have prayer every Thursday morning. And, uh, and I was praying. We were praying for other things, but then in that process, it was, <laughs> it was three or four things that God brought into my spirit. Things that I've slacked off on and not been doing. I need to get back involved with. It was sort of a, it was more of a corrective in nature. Okay, here's some things you need to, you know, you've really slept off on these things. You know, you need to pick them back up. He's always right. And I had to just shake my head, yeah. I haven't been. But the key is to be able to listen and hear what he says as well. Many of us, you know, have a, you know, whether you're a talker or not, sometimes, you know, we just don't remember that part or don't do that part. So next time you're in prayer, yeah, go through. There's some things in your heart you want to tell him. You do that. And you use your prayer language to the extent that you need it. Call upon your help or your guide to assist. But then spend some quiet time with him. Give him some time to speak into your heart. And all of a sudden you'll be, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But then when he tells you, obey and do it. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. They're obedient to what I tell them. Okay? Now, second thing, the way he could, he could help us is through his word. Boy, that's no brainer, isn't it? We probably knew that, didn't we? Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16. God will never leave contrary to his word. And this verse says this, and you probably quoted to me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everyone say profitable. profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So, we can take this word, and God tells us this word is very profitable to us. It's profitable for anything, everything we would ever need. For doctrine, or in other words, foundational truths that we want to apply to our life. For reproof. Uh, yeah, and reproof is, is basically the expression of censure. It's a rebuke. Yeah, have you ever messed up? I'm sure you haven't. I guess I have. And you know a rebuke when he when he gives it to you. It's loving though. Yeah, it's a rebuke. You know you've messed up, but you also know that he's there for you. For correction and for instruction in righteousness. So when in doubt, don't know which way to do it, how do I go about doing this? Just go back to the word. Psalms 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet. That's a light to my path. And uh, His word has never failed to show me in my life, if you're, honest with our, if you're honest with yourself, it will never fail to show you that light on where your feet is. In other words, it's going to show you where you're at. You might be in a dark place in some areas of your life. It might be a, it might be in an, your feet might be in an area that He don't want you to be in. So his word 
will put a light on where your feet are. It's a lamp to your feet. And then more importantly, his word is a light to your path. He shows you, okay, here's where you're at, but here's the path you need to take to leave that place. And even if it's a good place your feet's at, he wants us to mature and grow and to keep going. Never stop. Never give up. I guarantee in our lifetimes, you will never know one iota, one so small, so less than one one millionth of a percent of what there is to know about God. We are so limited. I've said it before, but the more I know, about God, the more I know that I don't know. It's just so infinite. Just unbelievable. Now, the third area that uh, that we can go to is wise counsel. Over in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Wise counsel... We can go to a lot of people for counsel. But, there's also a lot of people that aren't experienced. They might not be knowledgeable. But because we have friends, sometimes we'll have a tendency to go to our friends and they might not know squat about what's going on in your life. And more so, they might not be as spiritual as you think. But there are people and they friends uh, or others that you know of that have been around for a while. The Word tells us that there is safety in a multitude of counsels. So, so, so one of the ways we could do it, if, we, if we're sort of lost, and even in, even in the Word, you know, we're not getting clear direction at a time, you know, a good place to go is people that you know of have confidence in. People that are have demonstrated and are walking in the fruits of the Spirit. You can see their walk with God because of the things they say, the things they do. The tree is known by the fruit it bears. And a person's life reflects those values, those godly values, and whether or not he's walking in the light of the Word or not. He or she. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's Proverbs 11, verse 14. Godly men and women that have high integrity and follow the Holy Ghost. And those are the people that you might want to go to and talk about getting information where they can walk. Acts chapter 6, verse 2 through 4. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to go there. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the Word. Here, this is where, in the book of Acts, where there was complaints because some people were getting served appropriately. And so the disciples who were ministering the Word to people 
they knew that it could take. They need to have their time spent in in, in ministering the word. And so they says, pick out seven good men of good of honor and good report, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they did, and they found these these seven men, and they started serving, and things were resolved. But they went to these people uh, who had the abilities, had gifts, and were able uh, to perform and allow the disciples to do what they were intended to do. Uh, Number four uh, we've listed is peace. In other words, don't worry. Now we're going to, uh, actually this is going to, one of the um, habits that we're going to address here in the near future. But um, go with me over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And this is, you know, there's, I found in my life that, uh, as a minister, that there are certain things that God lays strongly on your heart. And I'm sure, and I think this is probably true for, for all ministers. I, I can't, you know, take it to the bank, but I'm pretty confident this is true. There are certain things that are extremely strong that he deals with you on, or things that he wants to you to speak on, things that he wants to, you to minister to people. You know, one of those areas is spiritual growth for me, if you haven't figured that out yet, if, if for those that know me. But there's another area, it's fear, worries, and anxieties that burns in my heart. And a lot of times when I talk to people, I get over to that area when I minister to them. And this is one of them. And we'll be dealing with, again, later on in the habits, but one of the ways he leads us is through peace. Now look at Colossians 3, verse 15. It says this. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What this scripture is telling us is to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now, what's that mean? Well, we all have decisions we make in life. There's issues that come into our life that we maybe have to make a maybe it might be a critical decision, a direction that we need to go in. And really, for any decision we ever make in life, or any uh, or, or what to do about certain situations that come into our life. Well, if, if we're smart, we're going to get God's advice through prayer and through his word and find out the direction that he would have us go. Well, regardless of what decision you make, the peace of God needs to be present. It's that still small voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I've heard it described as several things. I, I think one of the, the, the best analogies is more like a, a stoplight. You know, the red, the green, and the yellow. Okay? The green is this peace. You just have this peace. You sort of, there's nothing that, on the inside that says, okay, this, is, this is, might be the wrong way to go. It's sort of a, a freedom. It's a liberty. Uh, it's an inward knowing that this is good. Okay? And then there's this red light. It's this check. It's just sort of this, this, oh, I just can't get my finger on it, but there's something there. This decision, the way we're starting to go with this, it just 
don't do this. Don't do this. This is, this is trouble. And then sometimes there's this yellow light, this caution. Okay, all right. You can probably go in this direction, but you, you want to be careful in your process because, you know, you can take, it'd be very easy to take the wrong step. Okay? Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So, to be a son of God, we need to make sure we're being led by that Spirit and, and to be able to be sensitive to that Spirit. That's why a strong Spirit is so, so important because the stronger Spirit you have, the more and the greater relationship, the deeper the deeper relationship we have. And we're going to be, we're going to be able to detect that green light a lot easier we're going to be able to detect that red light and that yellow light a lot easier so that we can take the appropriate actions in our life and what we do. You see why it's so important to grow spiritually? Oh, I wish I could take the entire wisdom put it in an electronic file and just sort of insert it in our brains and let it fall down into our spirit man. We don't want to take some time to do it sometimes. We don't want to take the time it takes with, to spend with God to, to get it where it needs to be. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 through 8 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Here, we're talking about humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, casting all of your care upon him. How do we humble ourselves? We just acknowledge that we don't know what to do. Lord, I need your, I need your knowledge. I need your understanding. I need your wisdom. I, need you. I, I, I can't do it without you. If I don't have your grace, I'm not going to make it. And you take that word of God that he has and you allow that word to be the magnet that draws his grace into your life. Casting fear, worries, and anxieties to a lot of people is tough. It's tough. Because some of the things that come into our life, sickness of a loved one, especially women. Don't get me wrong, guys too to a large extent, but especially women. When tough stuff like that comes into our life, the worries and fears, you almost think it's something you're supposed to do. And they're killers. 
Because unless you replace fears and worries with faith, you're not going to be able to see the result that you want. Fear is the opposite of faith. So if you're in fear, you cannot be in faith. That's why he says, casting all of your care. In fact, if you look at the language the way it was used, casting all your fear means to violently throw it away. The only thing fear and worry is designed to do is to steal the word because what it's saying is, if I fear and worry, I believe the circumstances more than I believe what my God says. And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it and it's called the word. The word is your standard. It doesn't make any difference if you see the results or not. So, if fear, worry, and anxiety try to come into your life as you're going through a situation, your responsibility is to cast it down, reject it, and replace it with what the Word says. Learn how and practice taking a specific scripture that applies to your situation. And when the fear and worry comes in, use it. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a safe and healthful mind. If he comes in a million times a day, cast it down a million times a day. Don't let it reside where you're at. Get indignant. Get angry. He has no right to steal that word. But he will if you let him. Don't let him. You know, sometimes when things are compounded over and over and more circumstances that go sort of pile up in your life, you know, there's a certain time in a Christian's life where they just need to get angry. <laughs> Enough's enough. And take authority. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were purchased with a price. So let God reign in that body. Let Him have His way. And He told us to cast down those imaginations. He said, don't let fear and worry and God have place in your life. One of my all-time favorite scriptures, which I've probably quoted here probably every time I come in here. Be careful for nothing. Don't fear, don't worry, don't have anxieties. But in all things, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in His peace. His peace. What are we talking about? His peace, which passes understanding, will keep your heart and your mind at rest through Christ Jesus. 
in order to see, receive the peace in our life and to let it to flood our life and to yield to it and have it and possess it, we have to do the first part. Don't have any fears, worries, anxieties. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious for nothing. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for us. Now, he wouldn't have told us that if we didn't if we weren't able to do it. What did Colossians say? He's made us able to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's made us able. It doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen. It's made you able. Well, how's it made us able? Well, because you're born again. You're now a child of God. And we have the ability to take His grace and yield to it by doing His Word. By having faith in His Word because we're doing it. And we take that and we yield to the grace, His power, His abilities, His provision, and we allow Him to do the work. So I don't have to worry about it. It's not my responsibility to heal myself. It's not my responsibility to heal my mother or my father. It's not my responsibility. To go scrounging for money to pay my bills. Yeah, I have to do the practical things. I have a job. I have the things I'm going to do. But he gives us the ability to do it. To receive it. Nothing in this life, nothing is worth worrying about. Well, what about if someone dies in my family? If they're born again, you don't need to worry about them. They're a better place. <laughs> it's a time of rejoicing. My mother went home to be with the Lord at 83, 84 years old. Yeah, I miss her. I love my mom. But I also know where she's at. <laughs> I know the grief ends. I know. Which is, she's in my future. She's not in my past. So why worry? Now, John, you don't worry about anything? No, I don't. Does it try to come on you? Sure does, just like you. Am I successful every time it tries to come on me? Yeah, sometimes not, but that's an area I need to build my faith in if it does. I don't worry because I choose not to worry. I don't fear because I choose not to fear. I don't allow anxiety to, to dominate my life because I choose not to have anxiety dominate my life. Am I totally there yet? Oh, God, no. <laughs> God, no. But when I do the Word, I'm always successful. At one time, have I ever done the Word Watered it, weeded it, fertilized it. And over some period of time, there's never been a time that I was not successful in that particular area that I applied. Because I had a strong spirit in that area. Or 
I made a decision to strengthen my spirit in that area so that I can overcome what was coming against me. I guess that's one of the reasons this subject burns in my heart so much. Because I want to see you be able to experience that and do it as well. Where does the time go? Um, well, wow. <laughs> oh, goodness. Give me a few more minutes. Now, we just, we just talked about peace. The next one I have listed is circumstances. Now, you've got to be careful here. Because I've talked a lot about circumstances and the fact that circumstances, a lot of it's designed to steal the word. But, there's also good circumstances. In fact, there's, there's even conflicting circumstances sometimes. For instance, when this church was first started, over in Mystic Pine Trail. All Pastor John and Michelle had was a word from God. You'll start a church here one day. When they went to buy the property, we'll take the property. Well, what was the circumstances? You didn't have a penny in the bank. Nothing. Zero. Nada. Nothing. And I think the first property cost them $100,000, I believe it was. $103,000. But it was a word which he trusts from God. The circumstances weren't there. He had no money. But he acted upon what the word says. The word told him that him and Michelle would start a church there one day. And when it became time, he knew it was time to do it. And so all he did was act upon it. Guess what? Money came. Now, Circumstances can never be our only confirmation. As a matter of fact, circumstance is sort of coupled with the peace that we just talked about. Okay, needs to be present. Um, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. The Apostle Paul is speaking, he says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Here, the Apostle Paul had this piece about, he had this piece about being in Ephesus. Great church was started there. He was there for three years. But it was very dangerous there. Experienced a lot of trials and problems. But he says, a great opportunity has presented itself to me here. So I'm going to tarry in Ephesus. He goes on to say, but there are many adversaries. Okay? So his circumstances there, he had that green light. He had that peace knowing that this is what he needed to do. This is what God wanted him to do. 
And with that peace, he also knew that he needed to take certain steps, precautions, as he walked forward because there were many adversaries there against him. He knew he was going to have to do some spiritual battle in that area. Now, let me tell you a personal story that occurred to me. It's not spectacular. It's just a story that was true in my life. Back in the 80s, uh, I had a desire at one time, or at least I thought I had a desire to go into business for myself. I had worked for companies up to that point and was fine, was successful at it, but I had this desire to go, you know, be my own boss, you know, do my own thing. Well, my brother, James, was also already in a business. And we decided to team up and go into a business. Now, he was a Christian. I'm a Christian, a young one, sort of a neophyte, didn't know squat, but still a Christian. So we thought, well, what could go wrong? Christian, Christian, God's going to bless it, right? Didn't really see God a whole lot about this business because, well, he'd give us the desires of our heart, right? <clears throat> wrong. Well, he does, because he desires hard, but you need, you need to be aware of what, what he wants for your life as well. But anyway, make a long story short. So we go into business together, James and John. Okay? If you're familiar with James and John in the Bible, uh, they were sons of Bernerges. We call them sons of thunder. Guess what we call our business? Sons of thunder. Well, we're in business for a while. And, uh, you know, sometimes, even if it's your family, sometimes you don't see eye to eye on certain things. And when it involves monetary issues, it can be, it can get pretty bad. It was interesting, Pastor John, who I had known for 26, 27 years, there's two times he has actually prophesied over me. The first one was right before we started this business. And I don't remember exactly, I can't quote it or anything, but basically what he was saying is, you know, can two walk together unless they be one? And the admonition was you need to make sure that you're in harmony before you go into this. This was before we actually went into business, but we were, you know, he knew about it. Things didn't work out very well. There was division. There wasn't one vision. We had a division or two visions. We were in a business that was extremely cost over, very high overhead in cost. We was in a trucking company, had multiple uh, 18-wheel trucks that traveled throughout the 48 states. Number one, they're expensive. Maintenance is expensive. I mean, a tire for one of those things at the time was just one tire for 18 tires you had to replace every year was three to four hundred dollars. So the overhead was massive. Now the income was good, but what we found was the income wasn't matching what we were putting out. During that, I guess it was about a two-year period. I worked 24/7. I don't remember sleeping. My children were young at the time. 
Have I lost time with him? Grief and heartache and problems, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. It was a miserable time in my life. Reflecting back upon that decision, I know I remember the check. I remember that that yellow light, that that signal. Say, you better better think about this through. You better pray about this more. You better get my where I you know what I want you for your life. I remember that. It was so easy to see then after everything was over and I was going through all this pain and agony. Well, when we got just to make a long, long, long story short, I departed the business myself, not necessarily because of the division. It was because financially it was only going to support one of the two of us. And because I was more marketable in business, I chose to be the one to leave. So I'm out and going. Now I'm looking for a job. I'm unemployed. I had quit a very good paying, high quality job to enter into this business. Okay. And obviously I failed. Oh, by the way, in the process, I lost everything. Zero money. Got behind on house payments. Didn't lose the house. I, by the way, if you ever get in trouble financially, call people. I got behind. I think it was two months of my, but I was, as it turned out, it was, you know, I was able to catch that up. But, but here's the thing. I'm out. And so usually to find another job, at least in, in my area, you know, it's a normal about six, six, seven months typically, you know, to find the right job, interview, go through the interviewing process and do all that. Well, I, uh, I found there was a, um, as it turned out, I had a very good friend who lived in the state of Michigan who was, who was really at the, he was a corporate, he was a corporate, uh, the head of our, the profession that I was in, he was actually, you know, he was the number one guy in this corporation. And he was making a transitional move into another area of the business. And because I had worked with him and known him before, I used to live in Michigan years ago. He called me. He said, would you be interested in this? I said, oh my God, yes. It was, it was the top of my, of my, uh, my career path. It was, it was a huge company in Michigan. Uh, it was a, at the time, uh, back in the 80s, this was an $11 billion company they grossed every year. So it was a big company. It was a Fortune 500 company. And I was going to be numero uno over that particular area of, of my career. So, sounds good, doesn't it? Well, as we went through the, the, uh, the process of interviewing and, and the whole nine yards. And, and, uh, and uh, because of some travel and some things, things got delayed and, and they weren't, you know, they didn't make a move. That's, you know, uh, on what I thought should have been made, you know. Well... In the meantime, this was another company. Okay, I got in contact with this, and I started interviewing there. And uh, sure enough, they come back and they offered me a job. And uh, and uh, I remember on a Friday they offered me this job, and on a Monday, the company that I interviewed with, Michigan, offered me the job. 
Now, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's my choice. In Michigan, Kathy and I had lived there before. We loved it there. It was a nice area. We had friends there. Good school systems. Just everything seemed to be great. We knew the area because we had lived there before. The job, just the base salary alone, was $25,000 more than the one that I was offered on the Friday. Plus, there were bonuses, stock options. On top of that. No brainer, right? <laughs> I said, Lord, <laughs> I went through this before in this trucking business. I'm not going to make a move without you. And I just got down on my knees and I prayed and I sought God. And every time that I wanted to accept that job in Michigan because I wanted that job. That's the one I wanted. It was everything that I ever wanted. It would set me for the rest of my life. But every time, uh uh-uh. Don't do it. Don't do it. I said, Lord, you want me to all this money, area that we love, people that we know, and you want us to take this other job, which is this level, this less money, you, you want me to do that. And then it became clear. I mean, there was a no-brainer. I couldn't take that job in Michigan that I wanted to go to, no matter how attractive it was. The answer was this other job that I was offered. And I took it. And what I did, there was just this dramatic piece in my life. <laughs> dramatic. Yeah. And took the job. As a result of that, my wife and I, God had to start a church in that area, which is still there today. He had another plan, another direction. It was a church that I pastored for a year before we got a full-time pastor there. I can't philosophically tell you all the reasons why. I think part of it was he was training me. I was doing all these things for the church and learning to serve, learning to give messages, learning to do this and that, clean commodes and wax the floor. And so. But all I know is that our decision was a very sound one. And as a result of that, many blessings flowed from that. As a result, remember I, I lost everything financially. And even though this job wasn't as high paying as the one I could have had, do you know that by the end of that year, when I filed my taxes for the next for that particular year, that I had made actually more than I would have if I would have stayed in my original job before I quit it to go to the business? I was blessed. He just came in a I don't know how many different ways, just supernatural. And so I was blessed in my finances. It just came. And the first night that we opened our new church, my brother-in-law was born again. First one saved there, the first night we opened the church. So, so things, sometimes things will really look good to you. 
See, the word tells us that there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. Okay? Just because we see something and it looks good doesn't mean that we don't seek God's wisdom and advice and what we're to do there. Amen? Bow your head with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Father, I just ask that you take this time and that you allow us, Father, to, to take the word and apply it to our life. And that we, Father, that we may be a, a symphony, Father, of love to this world, that people see our fruit, that we may dedicate everything we do to developing the fruit of your character in our lives. We worship you and we give you thanks this day in Jesus' name. Amen.